0: Good morning, Eden Baptist Church. I invite you to turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Anxiety is a persistent part of our human condition, so much that an estimated 23 million of Americans can suffer from panic attacks, while millions more identify themselves as having some form of anxiety disorder. Whether it's what people think of us, material and physical needs and desires like money, Things relating to our lives, like health, growing old, death, will I get married? Or things related to the lives of others, like the health of your loved ones or how your children will turn out. There is virtually no end to the things we can worry about. And pretty much everything relating to the coronavirus has made our anxiety worse. A nationwide poll taken from March 21st to April 5th revealed that 60% of adults are plagued by worry, up 21% from last summer. To have anxieties, worries, or fears is certainly normal and not a sin. Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble. And the psalmist said not if I am afraid, but when I am afraid. As one observed, God didn't make us stones. So when distressing things happen to us, we feel distressed. When frightening things happen, we feel fearful. When things are out of our control, we feel anxious. And actually, having anxieties is a good thing because it means that we care. Kids generally seem to not have a care in the world most of the time. And I I love that about kids. But an adult who doesn't seem to have a care in the world? That should be a bit concerning because it would require a certain numbness or indifference. A whatever sort of attitude about life that, that doesn't care enough to get troubled about anything. Whatever may be a good way not to feel anxious, Pallison notes, but it does not come off the pages of the Bible. Flowing out of love, the Apostle Paul had an intensity of concern, which means he had anxieties and worries. In Philippians 2, 25 and 26, he tells the Philippians that Epaphroditus has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. He had a wholly anxious concern. In chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul told the Philippians that he hoped to send Timothy, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned or anxious for your welfare. And in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, Paul says that in addition to all of his physical suffering, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So while having anxieties and worries is evidence that you care and is not a sin, being anxious or worrying oftentimes is. When our good anxieties turn into nervous brooding or getting uptight, tense, upset, or controlling, when we get preoccupied or obsessed with them like they're on spin cycle in our mind, the fruitless, pointless churning where our thoughts can so easily go, then in these ways, we've likely gone from merely having anxieties, which is not a sin, to being anxious, which very well may be. We now then turn to God's word on this matter. And once everyone you are with can see Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Please read these verses out loud together. This command, don't be anxious or stop worrying about anything, echoes the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 that we read earlier. When we consider all of the worries in our life, It's easy to respond to this command and say, really, Paul? You just don't understand. This simply cannot be done. It can't be done through our own will, our own will and our own power. As Carson noted, simply resolving not to worry will only cause us to worry about not worrying. Rather than denying the existence of anxieties, This passage tells us what to do with them. And that's the key. What does our world tell us to do with our anxieties? I read an article suggesting that the RX for anxiety that we need is a dose of Bob Ross, the happy trees painter with a soothing voice and gentle persona. It should all be happy, he said. Happy little trees, happy little clouds, everything happy. The author states that everyone who turns on his show quickly makes a new best friend. Last Monday in Kezia's school packet, she received the cutout of a worry doll. She colored it, and in a video, her school counselor instructed her first grade class how to tell the doll what they are worried about and said that it would make them feel better. Kids, do you think that telling your worries to this doll will help you? No, Kezia didn't think it would either. Worldly counsel may recognize the benefits of sharing your anxieties and hence the popularity of therapists. But what it fails to see is that the only true, deep, and lasting help for, ang- for our anxieties comes as we share them with God? Paul says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul uses three different words here for prayer. It's as if he's putting it in bold, all caps. The point, is that, the point isn't that God doesn't know what we're anxious about until we tell Him. Of course He does. But it's through this God-ordained means of prayer that He meets us in our need, reminds us that He knows all about our anxieties, and grows us in humility as we depend on Him. Responding to anxiety through prayer is seen all throughout the Psalms. sixty-two, eight. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. 130, 1 and 2. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And in 55, 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he Will sustain you. And in 1 Peter 5 7, we read, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. As one pastor writes, anxiety is not meant to be held onto, it is not a treasure or a keepsake. Anxiety is not a bosom friend or a comfort toy, anxiety is an enemy. It's an enemy to a sober mind, it's an enemy to peace, it's an enemy to faith. It's pretty easy to throw our anxieties on our families, our friends, churches, or politicians. We so easily broadcast them all over Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. But rather than indiscriminately casting our anxieties all around we are to cast them on the only one who is big enough, wise and powerful enough, loving and caring enough to handle and resolve all the anxieties of all of God's people all at once and in the best possible way. So like a loving parent who wants to hear about what is bothering their child, our Heavenly Father calls us to share our anxieties with him; he will hear, and he will listen. We were at the Baron's last evening for dinner, and before heading home together, we sang. We sang together. While flipping through the hymnal we used, I noticed a hymn I've probably sung hundreds of times. What a friend we have in Jesus! And verse two says, "Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere?" We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who with all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Not only are we to present our prayers and petitions to God, we're to do so with thanksgiving. And this is so important because it deliberately shifts our heart's eye from our current worries to the mighty works of God. And even in our greatest anxiety, there is much for which we can give thanks to God. Above all, for the privilege of being reconciled to Him by the death of His Son and for all the blessings of our salvation, not only in this life, but the next. We get anxious because we question how God can have everything under control and how he will work for good, whatever we're anxious about. But when, out of a thankful heart, we focus on God's saving work for us in Christ, we're reminded that God knows exactly what he's doing and that he always fulfills his purposes for our good, even though we may not know how or even why. Do you pray about your worries, or do you worry about your worries? The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Commentator Bengel observed that anxiety and genuine prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. We will not find a chronic worrier who enjoys an excellent prayer life. And our text says... As we pray with thanksgiving, there's something that happens. Notice verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we pray about our anxieties, we receive peace. There's an exchange of care. We give the Lord our anxiety and he gives us his peace. Although we're not promised that our problems will be fixed in the way we desire, we are promised that our hearts and minds will be guarded by the peace of God. This word guard is a military term referring to a garrison of soldiers on duty. When we pray, it's as if God dispatches a defense force of armed warriors to surround and protect our hearts and minds, our emotions and will, all the places where anxiety attacks us and seeks to rule. God will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This is not some easily analyzed bit of clever psychology. Oh no, it's, it's supernatural. It surpasses all understanding. And this peace isn't a wishy-washy, subjective feeling. It's an indescribable calm because it flows from the objective truth of being at peace with God that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you experienced this incomprehensible peace? It's part of our well-known Christian experience, as many of God's children through the centuries can attest. The peace with God that we have through Christ stabilizes us, guards us, and fills us with the joy of the Lord. If you know nothing of God's peace, Scripture says that it's because you're at war with Him in your heart and living as His enemy. But He offers to you His peace through the death and resurrection of Christ. And if you will but repent of your sin, laying down your arms of rebellion, and trust in Christ alone as a sacrifice for your sin, then God will reconcile you to himself and grant you forgiveness, eternal life, and peace. Now, it's important to recognize that everything we've considered in these verses is really an issue of faith. I heard a pastor say that the fuel of anxiety is uncertainty of the future, and the flame of anxiety is unbelief that God really does mean good for me in the future. But as God's people, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith doesn't know all the details of the future, but faith knows Jesus Christ. And faith knows that Christ has secured the future for us in heaven with God, forgiven and accepted. In Christ, then, All of God's plans for us between today and that day are good plans. So then, Eden Baptist Church, let's not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let's let our requests be made known to God so that our hearts and minds will be guarded by His peace. Now, there is so much that could be said about anxiety we are complex beings who are both physical and spiritual, which makes this issue far from simple. But in the time that remains, I want to share some points of application that I hope will be helpful. First, guard your news intake. There are some really interesting studies that have been done on the media's role in mental health disorders. And the evidence is strong that quote for those who suffer from depression and anxiety watching the news especially 24-hour news can worsen their symptoms if you're already feeling hopeless or anxious the news just increases this feeling it would probably be good for all of us to consider setting a limit on when and how we take in the news And rather than just the main networks or cable news, I would have recommended sources like the World and Everything in It podcast or or the Briefing podcast by Al Mohler, places that will give you important news from all around the world through the lens of a biblical worldview. Second, it's really important that we have a strategy and game plan to fight anxiety. And wherever you may be in the battle, I think that there is much help to be gained from the six-point plan I've adapted from the late biblical counselor, David Pallison. He says this, first, identify the anxiety. What do you tend to worry about? What good reasons do you have for anxiety? Anxieties feel endless and infinite, but in reality, they're finite and specific and the very act of naming them is the best place to start. Second, identify how you express anxiety. How does it show up in your life? For, for some, it's just a vague uneasiness. Others, perhaps, are repetitive, obsessive thoughts that keep looping through your mind. Maybe it's irritation, anger, or trying to control. It could be evidence in a strong desire to seek escape through procrastination, shopping, ice cream, alcohol, or drugs, or any other addictive behavior or substance. We need to spot the signs and see the cues that we are becoming anxious. Third, identify why you are anxious. Behind every anxiety is something that we desire, and we so often eagerly seek the gift more than the giver. And idolatry intensifies anxiety. And so we need to identify the hijacker. What do I want, need, crave, expect, or demand? What do I fear either losing or never getting? Fourth, identify what God says about himself. We can never run out of qualities of God or his promises that fight against the lies of anxiety, There are seven in our scripture reading from Matthew 6. And the last thing that Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 5, right before the command not to be anxious, we considered, is that the Lord is near. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, we see that we should cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. Scripture is the story of God's plan to be close to his people because he cares. And this nearness has been fully secured by Jesus in his death, resurrection, and ascension. Nothing can separate us from his love, and Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. Our anxiety whispers and yells, you are alone in the universe and no one cares. But that's a lie. We are not alone. Jesus cares for us, and he proved it at the cross. So we don't need to be anxious about anything. This truth, Pallison says, will lop the head off of sinful anxiety. Fifth, give to others. Seeking to serve others shifts the focus off of ourselves and our problems which helps to keep us from becoming anxious. And then last but not least, talk to God about your anxieties, which we've already considered from our text this morning. We have good reasons to be anxious, but we have better reasons to take our anxieties to the one who created us, cares about us more than anyone, and is committed to working all of them out for our eternal good.